Welcome to eHealth Talk, a podcast from Health Informatics New Zealand and hosted by me, editor of eHealth News, Rebecca Macbeth. This podcast provides a regular roundup of news and views from across New Zealand's data and digital health sector. Please be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Kia ora and welcome to eHealth Talk NZ. Thanks to Philips for sponsoring this podcast episode, where I'm speaking to Philips Healthcare Analytics Solutions Manager for New Zealand, Amit Guruha Roy, about unlocking the power of health data. So welcome on the show, Amit. Kia ora, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. Um, and it's wonderful to be talking about this very important topic. So just to start us off here, I'd like to know what what is interoperability? <laughs> what does it mean to you and to Philips? And can you give us some examples? That's actually a very good question. Um, it's a term that people use rather loosely, but the definition of which I think is critical for us to understand where we're coming from and what we're going to. So if you look at interoperability, if I had to define it, it would be the ability of different systems, different people, whether they are physically in the same space or geographically disparate, to be able to exchange information with as little friction as possible. And the friction cannot be underestimated. So let's talk about real examples here. These are rather vague. If you look at a patient record, it contains very basic information from who they are, to where they are, to what their particular problem is or statement is, both currently and in the past. But it also contains rather information, important information of what's the treatment that's been provided to them. Without having this holistic view of a patient, it is very difficult to make a clinical decision for a moment in time. So you need to have the entire history. So if we then look at those bits of data, who is the patient? That's usually in one system, which is an EMR and EHR. What's the diagnosis for the patient? That's usually in another system. If there are any clinical uh, diagnostic tests that's done, that's in a fourth system. And let's be clear, all of these data sets and information is all contained and written in English. And yet, it's very difficult to have them be in one place. It's even more difficult when you have similar things in different systems. That's what interoperability does. It's essentially translating or combining different systems so that you're able to see the data uniformly. And that's what interoperability does. With healthcare, it's further complicated because each of our healthcare and clinical disciplines have their own language, have their own interest, have their own complexity of information. And it's further complicated because once it's in the system, they want to see it in a very specific way. Let's talk about that in a little more detail. A cardiologist wants to see information in a very specific way. An ICU intensivist wants to see information in a very specific way. But they're both looking at the same information. They're both looking at the cardiac condition of the patient. So what interoperability does is it takes this set of data from different systems, have them talk to each other 
without having to worry about the translation between the two systems. And that's where Philips excels. And we've been doing it for the better part of 30 years at this point. And we are pioneers in this area. And we understand that the interoperability is in fact sometimes more important than gathering the data itself. Yeah, and I was interested in, you know, what is the impact of sort of frictionless interoperability for clinicians working in the sector and for consumers whom we're delivering the service for? In the end, all of this data boils down to patient care and a decision. Decisions are not made without having this data. And the biggest impact to patients is not having to repeat their history over and over again. I cannot emphasize this enough, but someone who's in our health system are usually quite stressed. They're not there from their own choice. And having to relive their history again and again, perhaps forgetting an important crucial detail, which they may not even know is important, and to repeat it is quite a stress, a strain on our patients, frankly. For the clinicians, having to constantly look for information without it being presented takes away a lot of their ability to make the right decision. If they don't have the right information at the right time, the decisions that they take will, in the end, be done with the information they have. So if they don't have a clear picture, the care that they provide will be compromised in some way or the other. So if you look at both directions, speed of diagnosis, speed of treatment is very much dependent on having the right information at the right time to the right people at the right place. And that's what interoperability is all about. So the less friction you have, the better the outcome. And that's why we're all here. Great. So this year's Philips Future Health Index report found Australian healthcare leaders have high levels of trust in the insights provided by data and are increasingly using insights across their hospitals and healthcare facilities. What's driving that confidence, do you think? And do you see similar levels of trust in New Zealand's health sector? It's quite interesting. Um, So if you look at what the healthcare leaders are saying, Right. So 74% of them have actually said that the silos hinder their ability to utilize the data. So if you're talking about the challenges to using the data, the creation of siloed data is seemingly the biggest challenge. So let's take an example in New Zealand. So historically, the way the healthcare has been provisioned is we have a DHB with a particular geographical area and a particular mandate, and therefore the data that was gathered was specific to that space. To be able to extend that data across the various organizations has been a challenge. So that was a physical one, almost in many ways, and an organizational one, which we will hopefully see change over the next few years. But by breaking down first the organizational, and then by breaking down the silent data, and then aggregating that, into actionable patient insights will really open up some very exciting innovations, I feel, and they're vital components for the quadruple aim, right? So it's very important for us to 
make sure that the data flows between the various users, the patients, between the various um, systems. And that's where interoperability comes into play. So let's talk about interoperability in those systems, right? So one of the other things that the leaders have said is that uh, the limitations of the technology itself is a silo. So the technology itself, other than not being interoperable, may not even have the ability to share data at all, right? So to that end, you then need to upgrade systems. So if the systems are legacy systems and don't have the ability to share this very valuable data within them, then it'll be forever siloed. So to be able to make sure that the data is available and then the data is interoperable, that means it can communicate with other systems so that we upgrade them is extremely critical. We cannot afford to lose data that's been gathered over a long period of time simply because the system hasn't been upgraded or been brought up to the latest standard. So that's something we need to do. So as Philips, we definitely have the ability to look at legacy data through our interoperability services and various other partners as well to be able to extract that data, make it less siloed so that it can be better actioned. Yeah, I mean, the report did also identify that there are persistent challenges to using data to its full potential. Can you detail some of those? It's interesting. So if you look at the leaders who've been surveyed year on year, uh, whether it's the Future Health Index research or just normal conversations, we found that the biggest challenge that they face has been the silos, right? So almost 74% say that the operational silos are making it difficult for them to utilize the data. So it's one thing to have the data set, but it's a different thing to be able to combine the data set to be able to see what they can garner from it. So historically, um, because the DHBs have been fragmented and some of their priorities have been different, the data has been only specific to a certain region, a specific area, and to try and look at it across different verticals has been very difficult. So by breaking down the silo data and then aggregating that, into actionable insights, that is, I feel, the real value uh, and how it can best support the quadruple aim. So the reorganization of the health system should really improve the data flow and interoperability. So I'm really looking forward to see how the data that's been gathered over the last few years is going to be leveraged by the new health system to better impact daily patient care. Yeah, I mean, we are seeing the healthcare sector being increasingly digitized and, you know, the amount of health data just being created on a day-to-day basis is growing exponentially. Um, Are health providers being overwhelmed with data, do you think, and how can they approach that problem? I would say yes. Many of the healthcare leaders that we have surveyed, almost actually 77%, are saying that their staff is overwhelmed by the sheer volume of data that's being available to them. And if you look at various verticals and industries, healthcare is one of the biggest creators of data. In fact, 30% of the world's data volume is being generated by the healthcare industry. And we expect by 2025, the amount of healthcare data, we're expecting it to grow by about 36% per year, which is a very, very large volume of data. 
So the onus of being able to parse this data, to consume it and to be able to action it, I feel falls to us within the industry and those who are collecting that data set. And much of that burden can be alleviated by using the right tools and digital technologies. And that's something that Philips excels in. That's something that we do along with our partners. It's not a solo exercise, I can tell you. And one of the tool sets in particular is to use um, AI, artificial intelligence, or even machine learning um, systems on workflow. So you can optimize how the operational efficiency is increased, right? So how do you not get bogged down by the complexities of the data set? So the data set is growing. It is very complex. It's up to us within the industry and within the collectors of that data to simplify it so that the consumers get the greatest value and benefit from it. So to make the data meaningful, there is another challenge I think that we will face very quickly, both in Aotearoa and otherwise, is the ability to have the right staffing like data scientists who can do that translation, so to speak. And this is something that we really need to look at on how we can grow in New Zealand. Um, depending on migrant talent, I feel may not be enough we need to be able to invest in local capability so that the data scientists who are coming out of from within the system or from within the country are able to increase the utilization. And that ultimately will have better health outcomes and the final consumers, which is either the patients or the clinicians, the staff satisfaction will be highly dependent on that. So we need to grow our own homegrown talent, make sure that they understand how best to deliver that data set and then to be able to utilize it in the most efficient manner. Mm. Yeah, so interesting that workforce just crops up as an issue across healthcare, doesn't it? And um, yeah, one that, as is, is I know, you've got a great interest in developing the local pipeline. So it'd be really interesting to see where that um, progresses, given we've just had a um, you know, a digital strategy for Aotearoa just um, be released as well, which talks about the importance of bringing new people into this sector. So the Australian healthcare leaders are reportedly looking increasingly to external partners to help them harness the power of their data. Is that happening in New Zealand as well? And why are these partnerships part of the solution? It's an interesting take. The Australian um, leaders obviously see the value of having external partners and how they can allocate specific tasks so that you have specific outcomes. In New Zealand, though, I feel that there is a bit of a balance that needs to be struck. And I feel that Te Whatuora Health New Zealand needs to provide more of a guidance in terms of what is expected. But there is definitely a, a level of partnership that's happening, right? Um, as Philips, we definitely are of the opinion that we want to enable the end users of the data to be more independent rather than depending on industry partners to be able to, let's say, be guardians of the data. We want to be able to have the data be available to anyone, whoever wishes to use it. So yes, there is a partnership approach that needs to happen. As Philips, we are always open to it. We're always vendor agnostic. And that's something that we definitely would like to encourage. Um, we know that from the Future Health Index report, the healthcare leaders are quite keen to partner with health technology companies. And there is a wisdom to that in the sense that the health technology companies are the ones who are creating the data. And therefore, they have the most familiarity with the data set. 
and therefore it makes it faster to be able to deliver it in a form that can be consumed. However, I personally feel that we need to create a little bit of an ecosystem where you have the startups, the healthcare providers to kind of create a joint innovation. And that's where I feel the government and organizations like DHA, like the Digital Health Association and NTANS can do that. We need faster ways to try new things in New Zealand. We need faster ways to be able to both succeed and fail in a safe environment so that we can see what works. Trying to do it in the traditional way, I feel in New Zealand may not be the best way forward. We need to be a bit more innovative. And as Philips, we're definitely very encouraging of that, both with um, industry partners and obviously with organizations like DHA and others. And, and does that help as well, that partnering with those workforce issues we were talking about? Because obviously building a talent pipeline is great, but it's not an immediate solution to those, is it? No, absolutely. It's We have to understand that people, getting them on board, having them understand the truly wicked problems that healthcare sometimes provide, has a lag. And it takes a long time for people to come up to speed. And therefore, I think that's where the quick wins are where industry can probably provide the most value, but the longer term vision must be that we develop the tech, we develop the capability using standardized tools within New Zealand, rather than just depending on off the shelf componentry. Yeah, I mean, these, these issues around data and interoperability are not new to the health sector. I'm sure they're not new to the listeners. But in some cases, COVID and the pandemic did accelerate solutions in this space. Why do you think that was? And how can we sort of harness that collective drive to facilitate electronic sharing of patient information post-pandemic or in <laughs> the new normal, as we might call it? This is an interesting question. Um... I'm a very firm believer of the human potential and the ability to change things when you have a common goal. The pandemic brought together industry and end users and clinicians and government in a way that I don't think we've ever seen uh, in recent history. And having that common cause just broke down silos and ways of working in ways that we have never seen in the past. So one thing the pandemic has made very clear um, is looking at some of the acceleration of the solutions that we've seen in some cases, is that when you have a common motivational goal, or you have a goal which is really improving patient care quite tangibly, change is very possible. I'm a huge believer of change. It has its impacts but I think it's something that we can do. So the conscious application of acceleration is not an easy task. To maintain the momentum and to capitalize on the gains that the pandemic has given us is something that we need to be careful of. So we're effectively not losing the gains that we've made in the last two years. Now, one of the things that I definitely believe we can get immediate benefit from is to further leverage the NHI. So we have a common NHI across the country. It's something that we need to leverage very strongly so that the interoperability is easier. It really should be that simple. And integrating the data across settings is going to become very important, right? And doing it intelligently is also going to become very important. 
So just to give you an example, from imaging all the way to pathology and even genomics data, um, this is something that we really need to look at as New Zealand as a whole. So this will allow more precise personalized care, right, with um, treatment that's tailored. Whereas for now, we seem to be looking at more generic treatments and we need to move to more personalized care. And the only way to do that is to make sure that the data is available to all those who need it. So one of the things that we as Philips are aspiring to is we have an aspirational goal that by 2025, we need to have all imaging data in New Zealand available to any clinician in under five seconds. And this is not something that is not achievable. Uh, Philips have associated ourselves with certain um, trusts in the NHS in the UK. We, we have done just that. The imaging is available to anybody who wants it and quickly with minimal intervention. And that's something that I feel is long overdue in New Zealand. And as Philips said, something that we are definitely trying to enable. Yeah. And I mean, does having a sort of more national health service or a national view of health services, do you think that's going to enable that goal to be achieved more quickly than it might have under a more siloed system? Absolutely. I'm very excited to have all of our systems working together. There is the HERA initiative, which the government has brought forward, which will definitely increase the interoperability. Um, as Philips, we are vendor agnostic, and we're definitely looking forward to both government and private partners to encourage that future. Yeah, and you obviously work across the world. I do believe you led the creation of an interoperability network in the Netherlands as part of that country's COVID response. Can you tell us a little more about that? It's actually quite dramatic. So just to give you an idea of what was happening, um, when the patients were either moving from one location to the other, whether they were transferred because of ICU and availability or the rest, the patient records were effectively being printed on paper and they were being sent with the patient. And once the patient reached the other direction or the other location, they would physically destroy the paper because they were found to be infectious. So let's picture that for a second. Patient plus pile of paper moves from one facility to the other facility, and they are literally destroying physical paper because of infectious disease risk increase. This is 2022. This is not something that should be a way of working anymore. Why are we even printing things anymore? So to be able to facilitate that, Philips created an interoperability framework within weeks, um, not unlike what was done in New Zealand, both allowing emergency and there was a lot of political commitment to making it happen. And we created a solution where this was no longer necessary. So the government realized that it was difficult to transfer COVID patients uh, with better capacity because health records were not available. And Philips created that interoperability solution so the clinicians could focus on transferring the patient and the records traveled with that patient. So this kind of underscores uh, very much the point that it's very much within our grasp before the next pandemic or crisis hits us, how can we utilize the lessons we have gained over the last few years to make sure that these challenges are overcome and we're better prepared for the future? So I really want to emphasize or highlight the importance of partnership and collaboration. Um, these challenges, like we've seen, can only be addressed if we tackle and solve them together. 
Yeah, especially a small country like New Zealand, is, as we've already touched on, um, there's not that many people to go around. So yeah, that collaborative effort, which I think came to the fore so strongly in COVID is definitely something that I hope to see continue. And, and you know, I have seen it continue in, in many cases, which is um, positive to take from the whole experience, I guess. Absolutely. I also wanted to ask you about data standards. They obviously play a crucial role in interoperability. Can you just describe what's mean what's meant by standards and what role they do play in being able to exchange information efficiently? I believe that standards are very critical. And unfortunately, what we've seen in the past is that most standards evolve in a changing environment. So the standards become loose recommendations at best, and people interpret them our systems interpret them in the best way that they can for the particular purpose that they have. So more standardization should not mean creating yet another standard, right? It should be about better utilizing the standards that we have. And I think that's where Te Fatuora, the government, and even, to be fair, providers and technology providers should better do. And as that's something that we as Philips are very passionate about. We want to make sure that we are as interoperable as possible. We are as vendor agnostic as possible. And the way we do that is by adhering to standards, both strictly and loosely. So we always go to the standard first so that we are as open and as vendor agnostic as possible. But where flexibility is required, where there's a legacy standard or something that is very bespoke, we have the expertise to be able to bring it back to standard, so to speak, to bring, make sure that that entry on a particular page and a particular line is able to communicate with the other. That's where expertise comes into play. So standards are important. Flexibility is even more important sometimes, but I'm a strong believer of standards and being able to adhere to them. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. That's been a great discussion. Until next time. Thanks for listening to eHealth Talk. Be sure to subscribe and share with your colleagues and friends. eHealth Talk, eHealth News and the eHealth TV webinar series are supported by Health Informatics New Zealand. See hims.org.nz for more information and become a member starting at just $17 a month. We also have affordable organisational membership options now for both our industry partners and healthcare providers.